This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome in to another edition of the 615 Sessions podcast. Happy Friday to you. Hope you're having a great day so far. It's a beautiful, sunny, scenic afternoon in Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. But I will tell you this, by the way, I'm Buck Rising if you're new. Love to see you. Love to talk to you. Either way, we got a lot of Titan stuff to do before I get on a plane tomorrow as we tape this on a Friday afternoon. Head down to Houston and see what is on offer between these two AFC South divisional opponents. You're going to hear a couple of different conversations today from Titans president Burke Nihill, stadium renderings released of the new Titans stadium. You'll hear from Burke about that. I also had the opportunity to hang out with a couple of players, Brett Kern, Ben Jones, and Kevin Byard, all portions of those conversations that you are going to hear today. Before we get to that, though, got to remind you that this is all made possible in its entirety by the lovely folks at Two Rivers Ford. Not only are they lovely people, but they are award-winning in their customer service. They always go above and beyond to make it fun, easy, and fast to you for you to get a new vehicle. And as a matter of fact, 2023 model year Fords available right now at Two Rivers Ford. So you can go out to the dealership just a little bit east of Nashville International Airport. You can go online and custom order your next Ford the way that I did at tworiversford.com or call one of their incredible non-commissioned salespeople, 1-800-900-1000. Custom order your next Ford from Two Rivers Ford. All right, some notes before we get to the interviews. Tannehill, questionable. You know the ankle issue that he had, an ankle sprain, the severity of it. Unknown, but enough to keep him out of practice on Wednesday and limited Thursday and Friday. Jeff Simmons, arguably as important, also listed as questionable. Both are considered literally game-time decisions, meaning they're going to run him out there for pre-pre-game warm-ups about two hours before kick. They're going to put him through a conditioning test. Not a conditioning test, but basically just kind of a test of their mobility, to see how they're managing things, both guys dealing with an ankle situation right now. In the absence of Tannehill, though, uh, Malik Willis, who there's a clip of. We talked to him a little bit in the locker room on Friday about should he get the opportunity to start? Will he be ready? So you'll hear that as a part of today's podcast, too. Beyond that, Rashad Weaver is out. And another player uh, that was... I felt important enough to mention um, on today's podcast, but Rashad Weaver being the more important one, forgive me, I'll find the second player who Mike Vrabel ruled out just a little while ago, Torrey Carter, the fullback, um, who has missed uh, a decent amount of time at this point with injury. So those are notable. Pass rush, getting Bud Dupree back, losing Rashad Weaver with a back injury, now going down to Houston to see if they can further their lead in the AFC South. 
So in order, you're going to hear the conversations today this way. First, Titans president Burke Nihill, then safety Kevin Byard, Brett Kern, and then a conversation that Kern and I, because he hung around the radio show, for two hours on Thursday, and we were always we're always grateful for Brett's presence. But Brett stuck around to interview Titan Center Ben Jones, a portion of which you will also hear in today's podcast. Enjoy. We are very happy to have somebody who I think is a first time guest on this show. Titans President Burke Nihill is kind enough to spend some time in studio with us today. I'm sorry that this is the first time that we've done this. As am I. Let's make it the, the first of many. I, uh, I, think, I think you guys are going to be in the news for a little while longer, so there are probably going to be a few more opportunities to do this. So very exciting stuff. If you haven't seen it, uh, the Titans about an hour ago put out a very well-produced video and a couple of stadium renderings of what this new 2026 stadium plan and campus surrounding it on the new part of the East Bank that you guys are going to occupy is going to look like uh, this. This has to be something that you all collectively are fired up towards because it's just another step in the process of something that is pretty unique. Yeah, we've been working on this for, I mean, six or seven months on on a new building concept. Um, but as as those of you who've been following this would remember, we we originally had started down the path of a renovation, and the renovation process really had us digging into you know what is authentically Nashville and and how might a stadium in Nashville look different than a stadium in Las Vegas or Los Angeles or, or some other place. So uh, when we started working on a potential new stadium design, we weren't starting from you know flat ground. We had we'd already done a lot of research and, and thinking about uh, what a great stadium facility in this particular city, this particular state uh, might look like. But we this I would uh, say this, this is pretty unusual to have concepts that are this well-developed at this phase because um, as you know, Buck, we still have a ways to go here to make this project a reality. Um, very, very pleased to have announced a deal with Mayor Cooper last week, uh, but we, we still have to, to work with city council and listen to their questions and answer their questions. We still have to work with our, the Metropolitan Nashville Sports Authority, uh, who is the ultimate landlord uh, of that stadium. And, and that process is gonna take months, not weeks. Um, but we, we had to get concepts much earlier than you would typically get concepts like this for two reasons. One, we had to figure out whether there was a stadium that could fit on that site. So if you you know pull up a map and, and look at an overhead view, looks like there's a stadium shaped parking lot off to the east between our stadium and the La Quinta and the highway. But um, it's just not quite that easy. You can't superimpose one building and, and just assume that another one's gonna fit. There's right. things like loading docks and and how do you how do you work through a construction zone where you've got put down areas and you got to lay down cranes and, and that sort of thing so we had to know whether there was a building that could fit that was one the second is we we needed to know what it would cost to build a building like that um we we had contractors along for the ride as we were working with the architects that were giving us advice about you know this material versus that material both of them are durable both of them look great this one's seven dollars a square foot cheaper than than the other one um we just didn't want to put together a potential project uh get into uh the process and realize that the building costs much much more than than we realized so um those the, these contractors have have given an opinion that uh, we we know 
what this building is going to cost to build. The budget that we announced with Mayor Cooper uh, builds in that that level of thinking. So that's why that's why we we have the benefit of these concepts this early. Typically, this is something that would come much much later in the process. Uh, but to your point, we're we're very very excited about where we landed. A um, lot of really smart people that. Um, it's it's a it's been a really fun project to to try to build something and imagine what's possible here in Nashville. Titans President Burke Nihill in studio with us talking about these new stadium renderings and as a part of the process that is the 2020 or the plan for August 2026 for this stadium to be operational and for the team to be able to take advantage of and start using. I th- I think that you know for as you talk about the timeline for the process. Um, one, you know, you put out pictures and then, uh, and then talk about Metro council meetings. People are already foaming at the mouth, Burke, you know how that works. we got the attention. We got very, very short attention spans in the sports world. But I, I do think that the, the August 26 goal, it, it initially struck me as ambitious. And I guess, why was that the targeted date for you guys, for you and the city? Why did that make the most sense? And, and what is it that I guess gives you confidence that that is going to be achievable? Yeah, there's several reasons. Um, I mean, there was a point when we were talking about 2026 when there was the possibility of the World Cup right. choosing Nashville. Uh, so th- there was there was originally a, a hard date that we were working towards. Um, but th- it just it's the construction schedule. How long does it take to build a building um, like that? And uh, we've got an internal construction manager who uh, just continuously updates what a potential construction schedule would look like. And 2026 is still in play. Um, it's still the goal. Um, what what I would tell you is we're not going to stick to an arbitrary date of 2026 if it ends up that the design process is taking longer, the, the, the full design process, or if the construction process to get it right and make, make sure it's a durable building that lasts generations takes longer. This isn't a building that's being built for one season. This is a building that's being built for generations. And so we'll take the time to get it right, uh, both in terms of design and in terms of construction process. And so if that means that 26, is the building isn't ready, um, that's a consequence that we'd be li- uh, willing to live with. But as we sit here today, um, 26 is absolutely still in play. A lot of people excited about that idea too. So with, with, the, with the whole process and and the the renderings that have been put out obviously you know the it's just it's just the initial one i know there's been several different steps that led to these but why you, you mentioned wanting to make a stadium that was was that signified nashville that lent itself to the city of nashville uh what is it about the the renderings that people should particularly note when they go and look at the video and the and the pictures that have been uh, i think put out basically everywhere at this point so look i the most stadiums um, you know, we, we travel on the road and you do too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's usually you're, you're pulling off of a highway exit somewhere in the suburbs and you, you pull into a sea of parking. And so a stadium, uh, in that environment, you know, have at it, you know, build a spaceship. If you want to build a spaceship, build, you know, build, build a, a concrete building. If you want to build a concrete building, um, we understand the, the responsibility and the stewardship of given our central location, we've, we've got to build a building that, will make Nashville proud, will make Tennessee proud, will respect uh, its location. Um, the mayor released his East Bank vision uh, a couple months ago, and that East Bank vision calls for the area that we're turning back to the city as a part of this transaction to become Nashville's next great neighborhood. There's gonna be incredible parks. Uh, there's gonna be transportation. There's gonna be you know bike lanes and, and riverfront uh, uh, engagement. And so a building built there needs to honor that location, right? It needs to be something that um, it just reflects the character of, of this city and this state. Uh, I, I would say this, my favorite building 
in in Nashville is the Ryman. And the Ryman is not- It's a pretty solid choice. Right? The, the Ryman isn't a feature-rich building, right? The Ryman isn't opulent. What the Ryman has is a soul, right? And it's got, it's got character that reflects Nashville. And if we're building a building today, you know, the Ryman is a 100-plus-year-old building. Um, you don't want to build a building that just pretends like it's a 100-plus-year-old building. You want to build a building that's right for this time and, and place. But we're trying to, to design a building that, you know, 100 years from now, people are talking about this building as reflecting the character and, and, and richness of this city and this state. Titans President Burke Nihill hanging out with us in studio. I, the, the renderings look really, really unique. And, and I, you know, now that you mentioned the Ryman, it's got a, I, I understand the aesthetic, at least, you know, in, in concept that you, that makes it fit with the spot where it is uh, currently, where, where the plans would have it currently located. I think the I think the the biggest question outside of all all of this that really caught my attention or kind of piqued my interest was the the capacity of sixty thousand. I know initially at the press conference you had said between fifty five and sixty thousand, and you immediately followed that up by saying, "Before you ask, this is the size stadium that will allow us to accommodate a Super Bowl and you know similar large events right. that way." So I, I don't I'm, I, there's this league memo out there from that said there was a requirement of 65 between 65 and 70,000 for Super Bowls. But obviously, before you go through the process of this, you were in communication with the league about, hey, if we do this thing, are we going to be able to host the league's biggest event as a part of that? Right. I mean, players used to smoke cigarettes in the in the locker room uh, <laughs> in the NFL. Things change in the NFL. And so it used to be that they had an arbitrary cap of or, or limit of 70,000. Uh, capacity to host a Super Bowl. That's that's a that's a concept they've moved past f long ago. This, okay. This this year's Super Bowl is going to be played in a building with less than seventy thousand right. capacity. Um, we have been we we are I would describe the people who work on Super Bowl type events and and fan experience generally. Uh, I would describe them as friends. Uh, they're people we got to know very very well during the draft process. Uh, they were here this weekend, and we have been in touch. From the earliest moments, we we were in touch with them, and when we were thinking about a renovation, and when we shifted to a new stadium, they have helped inform, you know, what is the ultimate NFL experience and one that reflects uh, this particular market. And they love this building; uh, they absolutely love this building. From the commissioner on down, uh, they love this building, and they love this city. Um, this city showed out back in 2019. Uh, you can you can have uh, the greatest plans. Uh, for an event like the draft or an event like the Super Bowl or the Combine. Uh, but it's really about the people uh, embracing it in, in a city. And that's what they saw in Nashville. And it wasn't just the fans and the public who showed up, but it was it was the, the businesses who supported it. It was the police force. Uh, it was the community leaders who, uh, Nashville is just a different place. We all know it. This is why we love this place, is this place has the spirit of optimism and generosity and, and we're easy to work with compared to other cities. And there's no question in my mind that they will be very excited to come back here with their biggest and best defense. Oh, we had, it's been several months since we had Butch Spirited on, but that was basically, you know, what, what he alluded to as well as it had to have been around the world cup, uh, prior to, prior to Nashville missing out on that opportunity. But I think the, I think the thing that really stood out is it not only, you know, created this relationship clearly between the city of Nashville, the Tennessee Titans as an organization and the NFL, uh, and it's, and it's partners, uh, it seems to me that it's changed the way that they do a lot of these events after how successful that was and haven't necessarily been able to replicate elsewhere, which also speaks, I think, to the job that the city did that week. 
Yeah, uh, Butch and I went out to Philadelphia during the, it would have been the 2017 NFL draft as kind of a scout team for Nashville. And the draft, different kind of advanced scouting in right? football. The, uh, the, the draft at that point had been in New York and Chicago and, and had gone to Philadelphia uh, for the first time. There were rumors that ended up being true that they were going to Dallas uh, with their next event. And uh, there, there was there was this idea that the NFL brings these sorts of events to their biggest cities, right? They want they want the biggest markets to to, to host their, their biggest events. Um, but we sat there and listened to what the NFL was looking for uh, in, an, in a draft event. And we just sat there on a notepad and sketched out what we believed was going to be the best draft in the history of the drafts that no one was ever going to be able to keep up with. And as it ends up, that's exactly what happened. And uh, the NFL has learned from that experience. And look, they, they want every market to do the, their market, right? Something the, unique to, to them. Right. Um, and, and Vegas's draft last year was was really cool and unique to Vegas. But I don't think there's any question that, that that Nashville draft set the standard and really changed. It was a paradigm shift for them about what this event could be. And, you know, whether it's the Super Bowl, whether it's the combine, I think uh, whether it's the final four, I think Nashville can have that same impact on some of the biggest and best events in the world uh, if there's a facility that can host the actual event itself. This, this is like legacy type stuff, though, like to get a stadium built among NFL organizations and ownership groups like this is this is the kind of stuff that people remember for a very, very long time to talk to Coach Mack about it when he was the head coach of the Cardinals and the, the whole process. I know it's a different angle, but the whole process that he went through as a part of trying to help get that stadium built. I mean, this is something how significant is that? How conscious of our of that fact are you guys? I know, you know, there are obviously other reasons that it's being done, but this is this is really, really meaningful stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't want to uh, breeze too quickly past the other reasons that this is being done, because that is actually where I personally and I think our organization and Amy uh, get the most gratification. Um, this started off with with a, a long standing financial concern that um, was was really difficult to solve. There's a, an aging city-owned building and, and a lease that's really hard on the taxpayers. And um, we'd gone to sports authority meetings for, for years, um, and we'd have conversations with the board members about how we ultimately solve this challenge. And, you know, we pursued the renovation opportunity, and it ended up that that didn't make financial sense. And that the final result here is a state, a city, a team, other community leaders coming together to creatively... Um, create a, a win-win-win across the board um, is just massively gratifying. The, the design, I think, is beautiful. And I think that this building, uh, if built, could be uh, an absolute you know, city and state icon um, that, that is just celebrated for generations. I really believe that. But the process of getting here um, for those of us who've been working on this, it's been, it's been really hard because yeah. we've come up against challenges and hurdles and that all of these, these different entities with, with different... Um, different interests and, and, and stakeholders who, who saw things from different angles that we were able to come up with a solution that we genuinely believe everyone wins. Everyone from the status quo to you know, what is possible here is in a better position and this building becomes a reality is, is really, really gratifying. And on top of that, um, that this, these acres and acres of asphalt um, that right now as we sit here uh, on a Tuesday at you know, about 11 o'clock, are just dormant with that, without much activity becomes this really, really special, generationally great part of our town. And we can start engaging the riverfront for you know, locals and families to start enjoying. 
I mean, this is just an incredible outcome. And the building is almost kind of the last thing that I think about when I think about all of that, because it's been this long journey. And um, but it sure is a nice cherry on top. Before we uh, let you get out of here, because uh, Kevin Byard is coming up next. He's doing some really cool stuff with Campbell's Chunky Soup. Uh, let's go to Jason. Jason, name something that lasted longer than Matt Ryan's Colts career. Hello. Go, Jason. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, uh, I didn't know. I couldn't remember if y'all said if it's uh, Matt Ryan's playing career for the Colts or his entire time there. Just the Colts. Uh, I was going to say, I had, I had two then. I was going to say the – his uh, my 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 friend next to my friend's uh, my neighbor. He's got his Halloween decorations up longer than uh, he was a Colts fan for Matt Ryan. And then the other one was um, the stadium. I've been talking about playing for the stadium longer than Matt Ryan was uh, a Colts. <laughs> they have been talking about a new Titan Stadium longer than Matt Ryan played for the Colts. Burke, thank you. Thanks for having me, Buck. <laughs> Keep the Titans train rolling. With safety, Kevin Byard, who joins us now on 104.5 The Zone. He's doing something really, really cool today with Campbell's Chunky. KB, what's up, boss? Hey, what's up, Buck? What's going on? Not much, man. We're living. We're just uh, we're, we're, uh, uh, doe-eyed over these new stadium renderings that you guys just put out today. You had a chance to see anything? I have not. I have not. What did it look like? Did it look cool? It, it looks uh, it, so fine, but a little smaller on the East Bank. I think it looks nice over there. You're going to have to take a look after this. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check it out. I'm pretty sure it looks dope. So tell me, somebody, uh, before we before we talk some ball, tell me what you got going on with uh, the Chunky Sacks Hunger Program uh, with Campbell's. I know you've been working with them for several years now. Yeah, so I'm actually at Bridge Ministry right now. So we just finished about an hour or so. We've been volunteering. Uh, so what Campbell's is doing, they're donating five thousand products to Bridge Ministry. We obviously help uh, pack up some products with uh, a bunch of volunteers, also among some other things. Uh, but just like you said, man, I've been partnering with Campbell's for like the, the past four years. Uh, they've been doing a great job, just our partnership, being able to try to sack hunger in Nashville. And another thing that we're partnering with this year as well, uh, for every sack this season that we get, Campbell's is donating 1,000 products, 1,000 meals. So we're at 16 right now. So that's 16,000 products that's going to be uh, obviously donated to people uh, less fortunate to us, people that's going to need it this holiday season. So, Hopefully we can get another 16, then another 16, and we can just have a ton of sacks. So uh, not only will we be helping the Titans win, but also uh, helping the community win as well. Man, that's that's outstanding. Did you warn Campbell's on the front end that Jeff and Autry are out here making guys like Quentin Nelson look foolish on a regular basis? They, pro- they probably yeah. didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know. So hopefully we get a little bit more incentives for those guys to get some more sacks. Hey, man, four four straight wins is crazy. Like, especially the way that you guys do this. Kevin, I, I've been I've been covering I've been covering the team since I'm pretty sure your rookie year. Like mm-hmm. I've seen you guys do it some crazy ways, but like this season, and I know you know you rattle off six straight wins after an 0 and two start last year, right. but it it always seems to come down to the dramatics, and yet you guys find yourself in this position sitting atop the AFC. Yeah, I mean, obviously after you know going 0 and two, and obviously getting embarrassed on Monday night against Buffalo. Um, you know, it was just, you know, obviously the state of the team wasn't in the best place. And, uh, you know, just as leaders of the team, we feel like we want to just, you know, have a little players-only meeting and talk talk about the state of what was going on. And like you said, been able to write off four straight wins. But, I mean, a, a lot of things go into that. Obviously, it was early in the year. We wasn't panicking. We wasn't imploding or anything like that. We just had to, you know, correct some things and make sure that we was playing our best ball. And, obviously, 
the best thing about this four-game winning streak, man, we have so much room for improvement. And, you know, we talk about all the time the teams that continue to improve uh, as the year goes along uh, are going to be the teams that are going to be playing in January and February. So we're going to keep improving. Uh, we're not going to get complacent. We're not going to get caught up on just winning four games. Uh, we have a tough stretch coming up. So we're going to have to keep on, keep on uh, improving. And uh, we're going to get a big win uh, on the road this weekend in Houston. Titan safety Kevin Byard is here with us today on behalf of Campbell's Chunky, the Chunky Sacks Hunger Program. Kevin and Campbell's are teaming up to help fight food insecurity and donate one million meals to those in need. Uh, the the video, uh, speaking of videos and renderings and things like that, do you see this video of Rabel and, and Ben Jones? You know, so I was actually running, uh, I was running through the tunnel as a, uh, you know, I was just kind of seeing them hugging each other. That's right, you were right behind them in a video. Yeah, I completely I was right forgot. behind them. Because, you know, usually when Vrabel, you know, after the game, Vrabel's standing right there by the door. And he's, you know, uh, greeting everybody. They're coming in. Good job or whatever it may be. Um, but I've seen that, and that was a pretty touching moment. Uh, I think Vrabel dropped some tears. Uh, I don't know if he's going to speak on that, but I don't know, I feel like he dropped a couple of tears. Zero percent chance mean, he talks about that. <laughs> Kevin, are you kidding? He already He's already miserable every time he's out there with yeah. you. don't want to talk about that. But, but but everybody knows, man, Ben Jones, man, fights for us. I mean, he's obviously a captain, uh, one of the veterans. He actually was on the team since I've been here. Yeah. Um, ben battles through a lot, man. He's one of the toughest guys I know. Uh, some injuries or some nicks and bruises that he plays, but I have no clue how he does it. Uh, but he does it for the team because he loves winning and, and he loves his ball club. So. Uh, definitely appreciative of Ben Jones and what he does for his team. Ben's going to be on the radio show on Thursday. We're looking forward to talking to him. I, I was talking to Amani after the game, though, uh, KB, and and he just he, and you just offhanded comment. He goes, "I don't even think Ben's got an MCL anymore. I think he's just out there <laughs> at this point. Like this, this guy's a sicko." No, he really is. Like I remember, I don't know if this was last year, but I just remember one point we was going to practice one day. And Ben Jones, like, literally had his whole, like, left leg completely taped up. <laughs> it was padded up. And I'm thinking in my head, like, bro, if you got to do all that to go to practice, like, you might need to take the day off. But he was out there practicing with tape and wraps and all this stuff on his leg. I was like, you know, his pain tolerance is on a different level. Uh, it really is. It really is something to watch. I mean, so you guys, you guys have a, another divisional opponent coming up this weekend. Houston, you know, divisional games are always something you have to be mindful of. What What have you seen? Have you started on that yet? I know you guys just got back into the swing of things, and the work really starts on Wednesday. But what uh, what general observations do you have ahead of another divisional game? Well, I'm going to dive in a whole lot of film uh, later on this evening. But you know, obviously. It's a division game. Going to Houston, you know, we've had our troubles going to Houston at times. Obviously, most of those games tend to be close, uh, regardless of the records of both teams. I've been watching highlights of this of the rookie, uh, the undrafted running back, uh, since what preseason. He runs really hard. Uh, we're definitely gonna have to stop the run for sure. And obviously, David Mills. Last time we played down there, uh, he torched us a little bit. So you're gonna have to get after him and make sure that we, you know, unsettle him and. Definitely don't let him feel comfortable down there in the pocket, and hopefully we can get some more sacks so we can continue to help uh, with with chunky sacks, hunger, or whatever. But um, and obviously Brandon Cooks, man, Brandon Cooks, we know he can stretch the field. He's going to be uh, their deep threat guy. He's always been a reliable, great thousand yard receiver in this league, and and they also have some other tall receivers out there on the on the edge and on the corner. So uh, they have a pretty good offense, and um, obviously that record doesn't reflect it, but. Uh, it's a division game, so we're not going to take this lightly at all. We're not going to look at records. We understand uh, this team plays hard. Hey, y'all got uh, Matt Ryan fired on his off day, um, and so we've been <laughs> we've been taking some calls today, Kevin, asking people 
What has lasted longer than Matt Ryan's career with the Colts? KB, I appreciate you screwing around with us today. Continue to gr- do great well, work in the community, man. It's uh, it is something that uh, it's something that's really, really cool to see the way that you do it. I think I, I think, is Kevin still you there? You just hung up on KB. No, I did not. Yes, you did. <laughs> what is going on with you? I hit the wrong button. There's too many buttons in here. You want to take? <laughs> want to text him back and apologize? I don't have his number. I'll do it. <laughs> Brett Kern is here with us in studio until noon. You having a good time so far? This is great. Is it? Yes. You just lying to me? No, I love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna believe you because I know you to be a genuine human being, but for the most part, I feel like people just come in here and uh and patronize us. I mean, I, I wanted to ask a little bit more of an intelligent question to Dane, uh, but his, his level of expertise, and I really don't know. Uh, I mean, I've watched UT football, um, college football. Th- those games are long. It's God, it's so. It's tough, but you know, I watch a quarter here, quarter there. Obviously, watch the Alabama game. Um, I wanted to ask something like, just, just a juicy question. It was a good question. I just, 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 yeah, I mean, you know, because it's going to be a good matchup. I mean, it's. I'm really curious to see how it's going to pan out, buddy. There are so many more dumb. I've asked a million more dumb questions even yesterday than who you got. I've I've done that. I literally did ten worse questions than that yesterday. Sometimes the simple questions are the best. Well, speaking of simple questions, <laughs> Brett Kern, the Titans are four and two. Now, I don't know how much you've watched uh, since you know the uh, the release um, back ahead of the the regular season, but I know that you know your stuff, and I know that you have done a deep dive on this particular team prior to coming in here, which I'm grateful for you for having done. Can you help me understand how the hell the Tennessee Titans are four and two? I will do my best. I, uh, you know, it was hard. I did not watch a game until the Colts game this past weekend. Uh, you know, you kind of been with somebody for so long, and then you just kind of go through a little breakup. Uh, you know, you maybe not don't want to talk to that person for <laughs> a little bit afterwards. Understood. Uh, so I did not watch, um, you know, any of the games prior to, and and uh, I started getting text messages from from people, you know, talking about the Colts and how the guy was punting and. Uh, so I was like, you know what? I think, I think I'm ready to to watch a game. And so I watched the second half. And um, but the thing for for me is, uh, you know, Vrabel is uh, very detailed, um, extremely detailed. And the meetings that we have, whether it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I mean, we have team meetings pretty much every day. And so he goes through a lot of uh, things, you know, keys to the game. How common is that before you go on that? to meet, to have a team meeting every day? Because you've seen a lot of different coaches. Yeah, I mean, staff. Coach Fisher was like, you know, Wednesday, you got to go over who you're playing against. Nothing on Thursday. Uh, kind of a recap on Friday. Um, Munchek was the same. Wiz was every day. Malarkey was every day. Um, but Vrabes' Raves, meetings are definitely, we have them every day, but they're the most detailed uh, meetings I've been a part of. I could say that when, when he came on, um, you know, 2018, I've learned more about football with him as the coach and just kind of understanding the game and just the little things, um, you know, that helps you win games. And so, you know, I, I'm trying to take notes as much as I can. And, and, and so through this time, you know, people have asked me, Hey, you know, what do you think is going on with the Titans? What's going on? And, and so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go back to some of these notes that I, I got probably look. and I'm going to look and I'm going to see. And so when we talked about doing this, I said, you know, the question is why are the Titans four and two? And, um, and so really the the three things when I was going through my notes, the three things that really popped up that that Ravel really talks about a ton, uh, and it's pretty much every week. Um, it's rushing, 
So if you outrush the other team, you get more rushing yards, you have a 75% chance to win the game. Okay, And then he goes into the turnover battle. If you win the turnover battle, you have 80% chance to win the game. And then this last one is the QBR, which is you know the, the rating, which is interceptions, yards per attempt, completion, completion percentage, and touchdowns. Yeah. So what I did was, uh, and he also talked about end of game, uh, end of game, end of half situations, which we all know he's a stud at that. He's right? aware. He's he is very aware. <laughs> uh, going back to running off uh, time at the Patriots in the playoff game, watching Bill Belichick, you were a big uh, part of that. Lose himself, and I'm I'm on the field, and I'm looking at him like this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's actually happening. Yeah. Um, so I just went through the four wins, the four losses. Um, and so, which one do you want to do first, wins or losses? Let's start with the wins. Okay. Because the wins are almost more ex- inexplicable to me than the losses right. sometimes. So, Indy twice, Vegas, Washington. Okay. So, if you go through, um, we'll, we'll just put it this way. In their four wins, they are three for three against Indy, two for three against uh, Washington, three for three against Indy again, and three for three against Vegas. In winning those specific- Those criteria. Criterias, Right. You outrush Indy 138 to 65. They have three turnovers. You only have one. Tanny goes 83.8 to 76.2. Um, you outrush Washington. They had one turnover. We had none. Uh, now that's the one where Carson Wentz, you know, 102 to Tanny's 95. Yeah. But you still won two out of the three. And Tannehill did not turn the ball over. No, no turnovers. That was the only turnover of the game. Right, which was obviously what sealed the game for you right yes. huge turnover um you go indy again 127 to only 38 three turnovers to none um tanny 125 to 109 and then vegas 109 to 96 close they were even on the turnover battle and then uh 98 to 85 with qbr so you can i think you can go through a lot of different things but really um you can look at a ton of different stats you say oh the titans are only giving up 20, 27% on third down. That's a great stat. That's that's awesome. But really, when you come down to what it takes to win a football game in the NFL, these are the three, four um, stats that are really, really important. Because now if you go to the losses, which I know we don't really want to talk about much, but the oh, Giants. Listen, I had a field day I mean, the Buffalo. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. So Giants, they rushed for 238. We rushed for 98 or 93. Uh, they actually had two turnovers. We only had one. So, but when you rush for 238 to 93, that's enough of a margin that's that's going to affect the well, outcome of the game. It's explosive plays. Explosive, right. And so then, and then the, the QBRs, 115, Tanny 106. Still a great day for him, but, you know, you lost, uh, you only won one out of the three. You go to Buffalo, they went 0 for 3. You know, rushing wasn't too bad, 101 to 80, but we had four turnovers, and they, Josh Allen, 128, and I won't even... Um, bring up the QBR for 10 Hill. It's a little so, different. <laughs> so those are, when I was just going through um, the stats, because really when it breaks down, you can you can go through a ton of different stats. Who's rushing, you know, Derek's third in the league in rushing, blah, blah, blah. And, and really, when you look at where the Titans are in rushing, I don't even think they're top 15 in the league. No. They're not. But when it comes down to it, in the game that they are playing, they are winning games that they outrush their opponent. And Turnovers. I went through and looked at all the turnovers. I mean, Philly's leading the league at plus twelve. Okay, they're six and zero, oh, right? But if you got your fifth, you got fifteen teams that are on the plus with turnovers, and ten of those teams have winning records, right? And the teams that they're three and four, like they're they're you know they're close. It's not it's not like a team that's one and five is plus in the turn. It's not it's not happening. Two teams have zero. 
They both have winning records. They're flat even on the year. And then you have 15 teams that are in the negative in the turnover, and only three of them have winning records. And all three teams are three and four, I believe. So it's just those are kind of the stats when when I was looking at it and we were talking about, hey, wow, the Titans four and two. Well, if you take it just by individual game stats, the games that they're winning, this is what's happening. The games that they're losing, this is where they're losing. And that's for me, it's it's not plain and simple, but when you when you put it out on paper, it's kind of plain and simple. Well, and that's <laughs> it is it is that, and we I want to I want to have more room to kind of work on this, and we're kind of up against it. But I think I think my larger point, as I've spent more time covering football, is football is not a complicated game. It's just very very detailed, right? Yes. And so when everything, when you kind of go through all the different numbers that are at your disposal and it's become kind of like football or rather baseball and basketball in the way that you can overanalyze things and you have ways to evaluate after the fact and have, you know, more quantifiable evidence of something that you're seeing or not seeing from individuals, from teams, from units, whatever the case may be. That's not the way that a lot of coaching staffs approach it. And I think you've just right. articulated that in a way that runs counter to how people who have the internet at their disposal are looking at their football team and saying, right. but they're not meeting X, Y, and Z metric. They're not hitting this requirement. When in reality, the coaching staff is sitting up there in front of you on a day-to-day basis and being like, Hey, turnovers, QBR let's in the case of the Titans, let's outrush the opponent. Right. It's, and, and it's, it seems like it should be more difficult than that, but it's not. And there's, like I said, there's so many stats that you can look at. You look at third down percentage. I mean, you can look at, well, who are the receivers that are, you know, Austin Hooper, you know, what is what has he done here? Well, he just got you three catches in in moments that were huge. He that, showed up that, in the one game that you needed Austin Hooper that's to right. show and up. That's right, and that's just that's just how the Titans are. That's, you know, pick six, right? I didn't even I didn't even know. I was like, well, who? I mean, I, he went in training camp, you know. Who, and Andrew Adams? Yeah. I, like, <laughs> I mean, my wife's like, Andrew Adams, where, 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 was he in camp? I'm like, no. I mean, that's just, that's just what they do. They, they find guys. They bring them in and they say, hey, look, guys are going to get hurt. There's a 100% rate of everybody getting hurt, whether it's from me to Tannehill, like you play hurt. That's just what it is. It's the NFL. And so they bring guys in and say, hey, this is your moment to shine. This is the moment to help us win a football game. And they rise to the challenge. And that's just, I, I, it's it's hard to explain, but he's. It's really not, though. He, I think it's it's not. It. Yeah, but he's, he's so good at, at that and motivating players. And I find myself like, coaching my son's flag football team and i'm like hey effort and finish effort and finish and i'm thinking oh my goodness what, what oh what's going on in a little nicer tone than Vrabel, i'm quite certain uh we have time for phone call 615-737-1045 we got a loaded second hour brett kern sticking around i'm buck rising it's 104.5 the zone ben jones is here with us on 104.5 the zone ben what's up stud how we doing buck Man, we're doing okay. I have I had a, one of your former teammates infiltrate the radio show today. He's decided to stick around for the studio uh, in the studio for this. What's up, Ben? I love it. How we doing? Hey, I, I kind of wish it was uh, UT Go Dogs week, but uh, we'll have to we'll miss that by a week. Uh, go dogs always. Go, <laughs> go dogs always. Wait, what, what you make? There's a little. There's a, a handful of chesty Tennessee fans around here now, Ben. What are you, how you feeling about your dogs this year? I love the dogs. Dogs always. <laughs> so, with uh, how how often have you how much have you been harassed about the uh, the locker room video or the the post game video that went around you and Vrabel? You tired of talking about it yet or no? Uh, yeah, uh, that'd be nice. Um, but as part of it, um, I'm glad we won that game, and 
beating the Colts at home and the way we did and finishing the ball with our hands, that makes it all worth it. You, you though, Ben, I mean, you, you take such pride and, and understandably so as an offensive lineman, just the general durability, like to miss one game across, you know, three different versions of a football career is absolutely same. What, what was the game that you missed? Uh, 19 versus Carolina. 19 against the Panthers. So that would, yep. that would have been, that would have been what Tannehill's second start. Third, third. I mean, at like, does that does that still keep you up at night? That having to miss that game, like, I can't imagine what that is to to break that kind of a streak. Yeah, well, it wasn't pretty in my household that week, um, but I needed to do that um, to take care of my family, me, and everything. I wasn't good that week, so we got some good people in this building to kind of oversee that because sometimes you don't make all the right decisions. And I'm glad we got some guys in line, from trainers to coaches that really care about you and look after you. Oh man, that's uh, I can't believe I didn't remember Carolina game. You're just Mr. Durability. That's uh, that's what you are, man. Uh, talk to me about the Texans. Uh, you know, obviously you being drafted there, going back there. Um, anything special? Uh, you know, when you go back there, how does it feel? Uh, and then going up against their front, it feels like, um, you know, coaches have changed, but the front's kind of the same. Uh, talk to me about them. Yeah, um, always when you go back to Houston, you know the city, you uh, you have your spots. Um, but right now, I think the only ones left is John Weeks from when I was actually there. You know some of the trainers, but now I've been here for seven years. Um, this is home for me. This is my family. And I think we got more uh, Texans players on this team than I actually know over there in that building. <laughs> they, they, there was a, there was an exodus for sure. Uh, once once Vrabel got uh, over here and, and started to bring in some familiar faces. Ben Jones, Titan Center, here with us before they hit the practice field. Today, ahead of Texans on Sunday, a 325 local time kick. Uh, ben, what you you're kind of you're kind of a sicko when it comes to this durability stuff, and it's insane to me. Like I'm a, I'm talking to Amani in the locker room after that game, and he goes, "I don't even know if Ben's got an MCL half the time." Like it's just, it is who you are. But as somebody who is uh, who leans into that, what's the what's the worst injury that you have seen happen to somebody on a football field? Because I know having been through a handful yourself, you had to have looked at uh, certain situations that are almost a 100% occurrence in a sport like this and being like, damn, that guy's down bad. Yeah, you never see any guys you get hurt, but being right beside a Delaney and a, a, a Michael Pruitt when their legs turned Oof. the wrong way and mm. ankles dislocated and hear that scream, um, it hits you. It hits you different. Um, you know how much it means to them. You know how much they, they're out there every play and just seeing your brother hurt in that much pain, you don't want to ever see your teammate like that. I just I, I can't imagine because there's there's so many emotions that you experience throughout the course of a football game that way and you know you you ride the highs when you have them and you take advantage of them and then you can only sit with it so long before you have to move on and be like all right bleep we got the Texans again this week no doubt Ben Jones here with us on 104.5 the zone Brett what's the what's the uh, what's the moment from Ben that you, you know, that kind of, at what's what's the moment that comes to mind every time you think of Ben Jones uh, well obviously I mean we're great friends uh families are close uh great guy just to uh, um make you laugh in the locker room never always has a smile on his face uh but <laughs> i'm trying to remember when i don't know if it was two years ago or last year ben when you when todd had taped up your uh knee i'm telling how many rolls of tape did it take to tape up that knee uh when todd was taping you up 
Yeah, I think they had to take out a, a loan. Um, they were making good money at Johnson and Johnson that um, that year. <laughs> I, I didn't have to wear anything out there. I was covered that year, so I'm glad they make that Johnson and Johnson. They make some good tape. Hey Ben, for for you, and we'll get you out of here on this. We appreciate you spending some time. I know you you got a work day ahead of you, and already halfway through one. But uh, when you when you're looking at the way that you guys played and and how you were able to take advantage of those duo blocks or or whatever you refer to them. Uh, in uh, with with you in your meeting rooms and things like that, and how much success you guys had off of that, and a lot of those different concepts, base personnel running the football that way, is that is that something that you guys went into that specific matchup saying, okay, this is what we're going to take advantage of, or is that something that you guys are looking at and saying, all right, we can use this more often when we need to because we know that we can always get those three or four yards with Derek. Yeah, um, we knew they had a front um, from Stewart and Buck. Um, we knew we had to take care of those guys if we wanted to run the ball, and and those guys are good. And you see, we kind of wore on them as the game went on. It's not always pretty, but when we needed it, when we, we had to hang our hat on the run, we got better as the game went on. We had five guys executing and playing with passion right there at the end and getting to end the ball with the ball in your hands. That's what we pride ourselves is having four-minute football and, and running it when everybody in the league knows you're running it and still being able to do it. When when you push that pile forward collectively as an offense and you get up, you know, flexing and screaming the way that you did, what well, I mean, I, you probably can't say what you said. This is FCC safe radio. But, like, what, what is going through your head at that time when you know you've just physically overwhelmed an opponent? Yeah, that's what that's our mindset as an offensive line. We're going to play as, uh, as long as the ball's up and to the whistle's blown. So we had five guys right there. It wasn't just one guy. Wasn't, we were all in it. We were all excited. And that's what makes it fun in this game. That's what I take pride in is having a group of guys who care, who's giving it all. And you see that come to life because we've played with so many different guys and just seeing some guy's personality come to life right there, that fired me up as being a guy who's been here for a while. He's Titan Center Ben Jones, kind enough to spend some time with us. Really, I, I had Brett in here, Ben, to see if I couldn't worm my way into an invite to your guys' master's trips that you do from time to time. But, you know, maybe I'll let you <laughs> off the hook this time. I got you, Buck. <laughs> Thank you, my dude. I appreciate you spending some time. That's Ben Jones with us. It's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys, as always, for sticking around. Superbook Sports makes this podcast possible. In fact, it's done from the Superbook Sports Studios. That's where you go to wager on every major sport. We are in the prime, the peak of sports seasons. And as a matter of fact, I'm just now thinking about this. I could have tried to go to the World Series in Houston on Saturday. I just now realized that. They're, uh, they, I believe, is that game one? That should be game one. Damn, I didn't think about that until just now. Either way, I would be thinking about who I would wager on in the World Series, NFL, college football, and everything in between in the Superbook Sports app. They'll match your first bet up to $1,000, win or lose. And they will also provide you with the best odds boosts and promotions specifically on local teams. So get in on the action at Superbook Sports. Terms and conditions, superbook.com. Gambling problem, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789. So tomorrow to Houston, we'll do the Titans game day morning show uh, about 11.30 a.m. Central Time. So we'll see you there on the A to Z Sports platform and certainly Sunday night on A to Z Sports Prime Time. Have a great weekend, guys.